VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Introducing the Duncan Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee. You got it. Ooh, wait, actually glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. There had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature. Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown? Do it! One, two, three, four! For the thousands of bands who trek to Austin, Texas, South by Southwest is a proving ground. Who will have the chops to live up to months of hype? I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. Greg and I are back from the South by Southwest Music Conference, and we've got our critics' notebooks open. Plus, we'll review the new album by indie pop favorites, The Shins. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. the old Lionel Richie hit Endless Love, of course, originally sung by Diana Ross, now in a duet between Lionel Richie and Shania Twain. Yes, Lionel Richie has gone country. His new album, his comeback album at the age of 62, it's called Tuskegee, named after his hometown in Alabama, and he's doing countrified versions of his old songs with uh, country artists like Blake Shelton, uh, Darius Rucker, Willie Nelson, Shania Twain, as I mentioned. But the real news here, Jim, is that he debuted the record not in a record store, not on a radio station, not even in a coffee shop, but on the home shopping network in a concert. (laughs) Hour-long concert sold 20,000 copies of this record before it was even released. So, yes, the home shopping network, a place not only where you buy jewelry or kitchenware or beauty products, but uh, Lionel Richie albums as well, a he, big he, success for him. Was he making, like, cheeseburgers in between or <laughs> demonstrating the, you know, the, the wonder rag? Not that I know of, but he's not the first artist to appear on the Home Shopping Network or QVC in terms of debuting music that he wanted to sell. Rod Stewart, Barry Manilow, Donnie and Marie Osmond, Tony Bennett have done these shows. Susan Boyle appeared on the QVC Network and sold 80,000 copies of that I Dreamed a Dream album. But Richie's success got the executives at the Home Shopping Network thinking, you know, this is pretty lucrative. We're going to turn this into at least a quarterly series of concerts where we're going to sell a new album by a particular artist. So you talk about these guys looking for non-traditional means of selling records, trying to sell records any way they can. Looks like the Home Shopping Network is stepping up to the plate big time now. 
Greg, you know, on Sound Opinions, we often say everyone's a critic, and we applaud this, especially when it comes from unexpected places. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney is a guy about our age, and he's obviously a rock and roll superfan. Twice in the last couple of weeks, he has paid homage to Guided by Voices, <laughs> the indie rock heroes. A few weeks ago, he was talking about House Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and he slipped up and he said Mitch Mitchell. And he caught it and he laughed and he went on to say, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Mitch Mitchell was the drummer in the Jimi Hendrix experience, but then even more significantly, another Mitch Mitchell was the guitarist in Guided by Voices, the best band ever. And then last week, he's talking about President Obama, his boy and British Prime Minister David Cameron going to Dayton, Ohio uh, for the NCAA tournament. And Dayton, Ohio, of course, is famous for several things, as Jay Carney tells us. Dayton is the home of the Wright Brothers, the Dayton Peace Accords, and Guided by Voices, the greatest rock and roll band of the modern era, um, in my humble opinion. With that, I will take the questions. There's a catchy little ditty called We Are Young, which is number one this week on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. It's uh, by a New York act called Fun, featuring Janelle Monet. Greg, uh, it is also number one on a new chart that Billboard has just introduced called the On Demand Songs Chart. This is significant because Billboard, the, the still the primary arbiter of what music people are loving in any given week and what is selling as well has just added this chart to measure streaming audio what people are paying to stream on their computers or other digital devices based on channels like mog move music rhapsody slacker spotify this new chart is going to measure this recognizing that it's a significant force also recognizing that streaming is important is the fact that the hot 100 which traditionally has been based on measuring uh, retail sales and radio play, is now including streaming. The formula has been altered, and this is having a significant impact because songs are shooting to the top based on their popularity via streaming audio. Streaming audio is exploding. At the beginning of the year, the streams on six of the biggest services were $300 million a week. The first week of March, they were $494 million. This is really ballooning to become a significant way for artists to get their music heard and and perhaps to get paid for it. Yes, how will people get paid through these streaming services, Jim, is a big topic of conversation in the music industry, and it dominated the panel discussions at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas, from which you and I just returned. Biggest music gathering in North America, really. I mean, when it comes to bringing bands, artists, executives agents together. There, there's no equal in the industry. We're talking about 2,000 bands playing at 92 clubs over five days and nights, plus panels during the day bringing together some of the most important figures in the music business. And streaming was a major topic. The Spotify panel, as it was called, or otherwise known as Pennies from the Celestial Jukebox, was one of my favorites. We had some of the best thinkers in music on that panel, and they were trying to get to this question of, okay, we're seeing this new revenue stream. But how much is actually going to be paid out, and will the artists actually see any real income from this new potential revenue stream? My my favorite moment there, Greg, early on came from a music lawyer, Edward Pearson, who held up a roll of pennies. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're talking about pennies here. We're not even really talking about pennies. We're talking about pieces of these pennies per streaming audio song. That's right. A $14 billion a year industry a decade ago built on the $15 CD. Now it's gone down to the iTunes 99 cent download. Now we're talking about fractions of pennies for streams. But there's potential. There's a future here because you put enough of these little micropayments together and you talk about accessing parts of the world like China and India that are basically huge untapped potential markets for music. You could build up a healthy amount of revenue. The question is... 
how much of that revenue are artists actually going to see? We know the music industry is going to get its share. We know that they've made a deal with Spotify. What a number of the artist managers on the panel were saying was that we really don't know what these deals entail. We really don't have any transparency here. So now it becomes a question, is the new boss the same as the old boss? Speaking of uh, new boss, old boss, the boss gave the keynote speech at the South by Southwest Music Conference, and here's a little excerpt from it. The elements you're using don't matter. Purity of human expression and experience is not confined to guitars, to tubes, to turntables, to microchips. There is no right way, no pure way of doing it. There's just doing it. We live in a... uh, We live, we live in a post-authentic world, and today authenticity is a house of mirrors. It's all just what you're bringing when the lights go down. Bruce Springsteen, keynote speech at the South by Southwest Music Conference. Uh, we live in a post-authentic world. Uh, <laughs> he got old rock critic there. He did, he did. But the whole notion of coming at it that the computer or the guitar, we shouldn't draw distinctions here. Everything is valid. It's how you approach it. I thought it was a powerful speech to approach a room full of artists working in all these genres and micro-genres and neos and post-genres that have cropped up in the last couple of decades and saying it's all valid, it's about the heart and soul that you put into it, was powerful, especially given what Dave Grohl said at the Grammy Awards, Jim. Remember that speech? I, I think a lot of people took that as an indictment of the new technology as being somehow invalid or less than traditional approaches to music. And I think Springsteen was saying exactly the opposite in his keynote. Greg, let me tell you, one of the things I liked best about it is that Springsteen stood alone on a stage with an acoustic guitar at a lectern and talked for an hour. In recent years, the South by Southwest keynotes have been, you know, a music journalist sitting there interviewing somebody, and sometimes some great people like Neil Young. But, you know, that's like a talk show. Mm -hmm. If I wanted Letterman, I'd watch that. Springsteen had this epic prepared text that had to have run to dozens of pages because he talked for an hour. And he was funny, he was engaging, and he was best when he went off the pages and spoke from the heart. Like he was riffing on the animals. He loved them for two reasons. Number one, they sang about class warfare. And you say, okay, I expect that of Springsteen. Number two, they were ugly-looking guys, and they gave him hope that maybe he could be a rock star too if they could have made it. I don't often praise Springsteen here, but I think this was the best keynote since Johnny Cash in 1994. Yeah. And that was truly an extraordinary moment. But Bruce Springsteen, i got to give it to him. He quoted Lester Bangs. How could I not like it? The only thing that would have been better is if he mentioned Brian Eno. No wonder. Now I understand why you loved it so much. Well, yeah, I enjoyed that, Greg, but I wasn't there just to hear Lester Bangs invoked. And he's frequently invoked at South by Southwest. We have gone, both of us, for more than two decades each because we never fail to come back excited about music we haven't heard before. I got to say, this year, with the conference larger than it ever has been, I had a harder time finding those things on the fringes just because the fringes were harder to get to. There were so many people on 6th Street and clogging the city, and the corporate presence was worse than it's ever been. There was a six-story stage and edifice devoted to snack chips that you couldn't avoid. (laughs) Man, Man, that was tough. But I did my best. So you and I are going to go back and forth on some of our favorites from the festival. Going out, I usually don't have a lot of picks, a lot of must-sees, because I want to find those surprises, like I said. But atop my list was a group called The Cloud Nothings, who put out early this year one of my favorite records of 2012, Attack on Memory. I was almost hesitant to see them because I said, I love this record so much. If they're not as good live, it's going to be a letdown. Well, they were and then some. Started out as a one-man basement recording project by a fellow named Dylan Baldy. With this third album, he has a full-on band, and they've really coalesced and come together. Now, you're a big fan of Sleigh Bells for the reason that they are combining melody and noise. I think, Greg, this is the record that does that. Recorded by Steve Albini with that in-your-face wallop. This music is both unrelentingly powerful and very, very tuneful. And then on stage, they turn it up to 11. This is a song from that Attack on Memory record by Cloud Nothings. It's called No Future Slash No Past on Sound Opinions. Give up. 
The cloud nothings, no future, no past on Sound Opinions. Greg, I'm eager to hear what you came back from Texas with. Good band, Jim. They've really transformed themselves in the last couple of years. My favorite thing at South by Southwest was a brother-sister duo calling themselves Wild Bell, B-E-L-L-E, out of Chicago, Elliot and Natalie Bergman. I had been hearing the stuff online for a few months, was intrigued by the sound, wanted to see if they could pull it off live. And really, that's, that's the litmus test. It's out by Southwest, isn't it? Can you get everybody's attention in 40 minutes on stage? But Wild Bell definitely pulled it off. The uh, combination of Elliot's keyboard playing and melodies with his sister's vocal presence on stage was was pretty intriguing. They make basically um, breezy-sounding pop music, you know, elements of Jamaican rock steady. You got a little bit of that UK trip-hop vibe, some atmospheric ballads. It's deceptively breezy because she brings so much presence to it as a lyricist, as a vocalist, and as a stage presence. There was almost an unsettling level of poise here. Mm. You know, she's been getting some comparisons to Lana Del Rey because of the sultry sound, and I don't really hear it at all, especially when you, once you see it live. The way she delivers a song with such poise and confidence, there's a huge difference there. And this is very much pop music that I think can apply to many different settings. Great for headphones, and as I said, they really pulled it off live. Great to watch. Wild Bell. Here's a song called Keep You on Sound Opinions. Wild Bell with Keep You, one of my favorite bands from the South by Southwest Music Conference. Coming up on Sound Opinions, we're going to continue running down the best of the fest, and later we're going to review the much-anticipated new record by The Shins. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. venue that used to be Emo's in the middle of uh, night one of the music at South By. Um, this is a painful and bittersweet place for me to be. Emo's was the great punk rock venue in Austin for, I don't know, 15 years at least, recently pushed out by gentrification. 
I saw a great band here from Los Angeles called Fiddler, F-I-D-L-A-R. Wonderful, high energy, Ramones, pop, punk. The other highlight I saw tonight was also uh, from Los Angeles, a great band led by two sisters called Bleached. In between, I've seen a lot of mediocrity and some true awfulness. I saw this horrible twee band from Brooklyn called Miracles of Modern Science. Stand-up bass, violin, mandolin, drums. The only way it would have been worse is if there had been a ukulele. So I'm not exactly batting a thousand tonight, but, but the night is young. Maybe I'll make it till one o'clock to see another band I'm eager to see called The Men. Uh, and if not, there's three more days. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and this is our annual recap of our spring break trip to South by Southwest. A couple of decades each for Greg and me both going down there. Greg, I'll tell you, I was kind of let down by the men for all the buzz they had, but I certainly wasn't let down by Bleached. I loved that set. What a great band. And, and, and they were at a, a kind of an awful venue. One of those like little stretches of patio mm. on an alley surrounded by dumpsters with kind of a tent <laughs> yeah. over it. It's like, really? But they wowed me anyway. It's a band led by two sisters from Los Angeles, Jennifer and Jessica Claven. Jessica had earlier been a member of Cold Cave as their keyboardist. They've been uh, bouncing around in different groups through the years together and separately. It's all come together in, in this band, Bleached. What I love about it is it's a real garage pop sound, you know, early 60s energy girl group, but with a modern edge. And I was trying to pin it down. It's like, you know, this isn't retro at all, but there's a timelessness here. I think it's the way their vocals work together and the way that they incorporate melody into this really high energy sound. And then it finally hit me. There's a band I loved in the 80s called Les Calamities from France, which was an all-girl garage pop band that were really better than the Bangles when the Bangles were great. Bleached, I think, is the second coming. They only have two two-song EPs out so far. This is a song from the most recent called Searching Through the Past by Bleached on Sound Opinions. That was Bleached with a song called Searching Through the Past, one of Jim DeRogatis' favorites from South by Southwest. Jim, so popular that I actually caught one of their sets watching from an alley outside the club. I couldn't get in, but I had a great view of the stage sitting next to a stinky dumpster while I was watching their set. They were so good, they kept me there for half an hour. We were both there the same night, and it was so (laughs) crowded, uh, you didn't even see me, and I'm kind of hard to miss. (laughs) It's that kind of conference, over 10,000 people, right, all vying for attention. One of my favorite sets from South by Southwest was by a Huntsville, Alabama hip-hop duo, G-Side. Actually expanded into like a co-ed, multifaceted band at South by Southwest. Numerous MCs, 
and accompanying us on stage with this group. The main guys in this band are MC Stephen Harris and David Williams. They formed this group over a decade ago and have been around for a while, putting out records fairly steadily, finally breaking through in 2011 with a record called On The One Cohesive, and apparently they've got a new one on the way. What's fascinating is how the live performance has evolved. What I loved about the set was, in the hip-hop lexicon right now, you're hearing this combination of rap and R&B, where the R&B choruses are sort of attached to the rap verses, and it's sort of a Frankenstein hybrid. These guys are really blending those two sounds. They've got the backing vocalists up there singing almost kind of a neo-operatic thing with the rap cadences, and putting them all together into this collage-style melody and counter-melodies in in the same song. And it really worked wonderfully well on stage. Really developed, really evolved. I think you can trace it back to uh, other Southern groups like Goody Mob, who started working in this tradition. But I I think the future music that we're going to hear on G-Side is really going to be mind-blowing if their set at South by Southwest was any indication. I'm going to play a track from last year's record, On the One Cohesive. It's called How Far from G-Side on Sound Opinions. How far from G-Side, one of my favorite bands at South by Southwest. Jim, what did you see that you loved? You know, Greg, it's kind of funny because people who know us come up to us and they say, where's where's Greg to me? And then where's Jim, right? And actually, we try very hard to go in opposite directions all the time, right? Because we both want to have our own discoveries, right? And then share them with each other on this show. We did do one thing together. We were on this panel, a radio listening panel, right? And the idea is they play a minute and a half of a song and you give your opinion. Now, this is not the way you and I listen to music. I try to listen to to even an album that I know I can get in quickly, at least four times before we review it. I was introduced to a band, though, on that listening panel that I really went deep online and and have come to love. They're called Chic Gamine, and they're from Winnipeg and Montreal. They played a minute and a half of one of their songs on this panel, and everybody hated it except for me. I really was (laughs) excited. And then they came up afterwards and said, oh, you know, thank you for saying that. Here's our record, and it really wowed me, and everything else I've heard online wowed me. They came all the way from Winnipeg to play one show that had been the night before. But I still wanted to talk to them because I love this record. They've had two albums out up in their native Canada, and now they're getting ready for a big American push. 
what's going on here? You have four lead vocalists, all women, and a drummer. They say it's not a cappella. It's Acapulco. They're taking this kind of world pop sound, that space age, bachelor pad, jet set, early 60s uh, world beat pop sound, and mixing it with electronics, but also with, with vocal charm. You know, there's it's almost Motown girl group vocal harmonies. I love this self-titled EP and this song in particular. It's called Closer by Sheik Gamin on Sound Opinions. I just want to be closer. Gamin with Closer on Sound Opinions. Greg, what else did you come back from Texas with? Jim, I'm often very skeptical about anybody who's sort of trafficking in a retro soul style. I'm a huge soul music fan. There's a lot of these acts going around these days where they're trying to channel 60s and 70s soul and R&B, and I'm going, you know, you better be really, really good if you're going to go down that alley. Well, this guy really pulled it off, a guy named Nick Waterhouse. One of my great indicators that something is really working in South by Southwest is looking at how the crowd is reacting to it. There's so much show and prove there. A lot of arms folded, a lot of people who've seen it all, kind of jaded, just observing, checking things out. A lot of people who never look up from the BlackBerry or or iPhone. Because they're texting about some deal that they're going to make with this guy. Nick Waterhouse had the crowd moving. I mean, the dance floor was filled with people shoulder to shoulder, dancing, standing on tabletops in this cramped, sweaty club on a cramped, sweaty stage and really won me over with the energy of the set. The guy looks like an engineering student. You know, you know how good can this be? When he opens his mouth to sing, wow! You know, I mean, there was sort of a feral kind of quality to that voice. When he played his guitar, it wasn't like these kind of slavish replications of guitar solos that he heard on records 30, 40 years ago. They sounded like car crashes. There was an element of danger and ferocity to them that I did not expect. Great band, three backing vocalists, a rhythm section, saxophone player, all pulling it together. Only a couple of songs out on the internet, but man, I cannot wait for this guy's album. Nick Waterhouse, a song called Someplace on Sound Opinions.
That was Nick Waterhouse with a song called Someplace on Sound Opinions. Were you down in Austin? Did you make it back in one piece? No way Greg and I saw even one-tenth of all the music. We want to hear what you experienced, what you discovered. Call us at 888-859-1800. We'll be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries and a review of the latest from The Shins. Cut with the final night of the South by Southwest Music Conference here in Austin, Texas. It is finally winding up. I just got out of a set with uh, Lydia Loveless, the bloodshot artist from Ohio, bringing some serious country punk attitude. Opened the night with a group uh, out of San Francisco called Ceremony. Uh, brought back very fond memories of the origins of the hardcore scene there with the Dead Kennedys, bringing that same kind of attitude. And given the scene out here and on 6th Street where you've got the University of Texas students mixing with this huge South by Southwest crowd on St. Patrick's Day, you really do need some uh, punk fire to counteract that party that's going out on the streets tonight. The Lumineers, a group, they played in a church and used every inch of that space to maximum effect. They had only like 20 minutes to play, but got the crowd involved, standing on the pews, singing without the microphone. Uh, had sort of an arcade fire evangelical vibe going there for a while. But I think they probably were blowing off a lot of steam after a long week at South by Southwest. And yes, it has been a long week at South by Southwest. We're signing off until next year from Austin, Texas. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. I'm Jim DeRogatis. That over there is Greg Cotton. That was Greg on tape at the last day of South by Southwest. And you kind of hear your voice, Greg. You're operating on about seven hours of sleep by that point in (laughs) four days and uh, nothing but barbecue for food. I've got one more pick from South by Southwest 2012. I try to avoid seeing acts that I've seen in the past, unless it's been like a decade or two decades, okay? (laughs) And this was a band I was eager to reconnect with. The DBs put out two absolutely perfect power pop albums in the early 80s. Stands for Decibels in 1981 and Repercussion in 1982, driven by two enormously talented singers and songwriters, Chris Stamey and Peter Holsapple. The band continued for a while after Stamey left, but they're back together and they've made a new record. Now, part of the thrill at this tiny club on 6th Street, way too small for a band that so many people wanted to see, was playing the old songs. And they played some of the great hits, but they really hammered the new album. And the songs were so good that you didn't mind. It wasn't waiting through the new stuff to hear the old stuff. It all was of a piece. Something happens when those two voices come together and the mix of attitudes they have as songwriters that makes things magical. The album's not going to be out still for a couple of months. It's called Falling Off the Sky. The four original members play on it. Stamey, Holsapple, bassist Gene Holder, and drummer Will Rigby. Many people will know him as Steve Earle's drummer for much of the last decade. But on this night, I guess Holder couldn't get on the plate or something, Mitch Easter was on bass. Those three characters, Mitch Easter, the great R.E.M. producer and producer of so many other bands, Stamey and Holsapple, 
really were the cornerstones of a power pop explosion in North Carolina that predated the B-52s, R.E.M. and Pylon and all those bands. And they've now become like elder statesman heroes. They're all working with many younger, talented musicians. It's encouraging to see that, and it's encouraging to see them coming back a quarter century later and being as good as they were in the day. This is one of those new songs. It's called That Time Is Gone by the DBs on Sound Opinions. When you're standing on the first step of the bus and you're asking yourself, what do you do this for? And you hand the man the ticket, find a place to sit, try to rest in the night headed north. And you settle in your seat, and your mind stops drifting to what it is you've been running from. Better wake up, wake up, wake up. That time is gone. Time is Gone by the DBs from their forthcoming album, Falling Off the Sky. Greg, one more from you? I have one more, Jim. A band for which uh, big things are expected. A year ago, they could not have imagined themselves playing South by Southwest, let alone being courted by numerous labels to record their first album. But that's what's happened with kids these days, a septet out of Chicago. They had a big year in 2011, releasing their first EP, then getting a slot at Lollapalooza, opening for Raphael Sadiq recording some music with Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. Now they just had L.A. Reid in town looking at them. All right, I wanted to see how these kids, and that's what they are, kids these days, they call themselves, would react to the spotlight. What I saw was a band that was almost so amped up that they lost some of the nuances of their music in live performance. But you could see the potential there. What they're trying to do, it's a septet, seven-piece group, trying to meld rap Rock, soul, jazz, a lot of influences there. They've got a little two-piece horn section. They've got three vocalists in the group. Sometimes the hybrid is almost too much. They're trying to cram too many ideas into too tight of a space. But the potential is there to do something really great. They're so young, but at the same time, there's so much musical chops there. There's so much talent in the vocalists that you think, you know, this is really going to turn into something. going to play a track from the EP that they released last year, one of the songs that they featured in their numerous sets at South by Southwest. It's kids these days with a song called Darling on Sound Opinions. Darling, I still love you. Feeling still strong. That's why I've been running up your phone. Open your eyes and tell me the truth. Cause darling, I still love you. Darling, I still love you. They say love is a losing game I'm a winner so I'd rather not participate uh-huh. If it ain't a court then I ain't tripping if I miss a day Boy I spit that crack man I could be moving this in way And as for the low man I'm killing the competition Right I often get them and forget them Can't even help it I used to get that thrilling as of late I haven't felt it I'm something like myself so these hoes say I'm selfish On that rookie bull like when Derrick Rose played the Celtics But I'm off that And now these little ladies want to take notice The pot sitting on the dock I awake Otis I used to see 
sit up on the stoop sipping grape sodas. My mama be on my back, but I got straight shoulders. Stand up, go and put your hands up. If your homie smoking something, go and light your hands up. We be getting calm to the point and mess our plans up. And these girls want to act anonymous until they bring the band up like... That's Kids These Days with my last choice for South by Southwest 2012 with a song called Darling. When I was just nine years old, I swear that I dreamt. Your face on a football field and a kiss that I kept. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and we're hearing a little bit of Simple Song from the first new album by The Shins in five years, only the fourth overall, Greg, in an 11-year career that has seen this band accomplish tremendous things. Started by a singer and songwriter named James Mercer in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as a side project to another group he was playing with in the early 90s called Flake. They took on a life of their own. This wonderful pop sound really captivated people, starting with album number two, Shoots Too Narrow, released in the fall of 2003. A buzz is building, and Zach Braff, the actor, includes several of those songs in the 2004 movie Garden State, with no less a star than Natalie Portman declaring of the song New Slang, this will change your life. Many people in the indie rock world did indeed feel that way. This was a time where there was a lot of harsh sounds, there were a lot of electronic sounds, and here is a guy basically with all of his tunes starting on an acoustic guitar, writing beautiful music and connecting deeply with people, pop songs that make you cry. That is what people loved about The Shins. Throughout the first three albums and the tours that followed, there were people coming and going through the group. But for the new album, album number four, it's an entirely new band. James Mercer is collaborating as co-producer with Greg Kirsten, who's done some phenomenal stuff for Beck and Lily Allen, who's known for his electronic productions. And there are elements of that here, as well as contributions from guests, Janet Weiss of Wild Flag and others, and a whole new band. What is James Mercer giving us the fourth time out of the box with the shins? Let's play a song and we'll come back and give our review. This is called The Rifle Spiral from the Shins from Port of Morrow on Sound Opinions. That's The Shins with a track called The Rifles Spiral from their new album, Port of Morrow. 
James Mercer, as you said, Jim, has retooled this band, and I think he's also gone for a bigger sound on this record by hiring Greg Kirsten as a producer. What I like about this record, a couple of things. First of all, Mercer's gift for melody. He's a great melody writer, continuing to create those insinuating lines that stick in your head for days. Secondly, there's been a criticism of their music in the past that he's been so cryptic with his lyrics that you can't quite make out what he's talking about. There's sort of this poetic language that leaves a lot of space in there for interpretation. Mm -hmm. He's much more direct on this record. And songs like Simple Song and It's Only Life, when stripped down to their basics, are really wonderful songs. They weren't stripped down to their basics, however. My problem with this record is that Kirsten and Mercer, I think, are trying a little too hard to make this sumptuous, grandiose type of record. And I just don't think Mercer or the Shins really do grandiose that well. One of their charms was the fact that they were able to create these wonderful pop sounds without making it sound like it was ready for an arena. And on this record, I really feel like he's auditioning for commercial radio. He's on a major label now after three records on Sub Pop. And he's also auditioning for those bigger slots on the touring circuit. No problem there. This band deserves it. Mercer deserves it. But I wish they'd gone about it in a little bit of a less ham-fisted way. I love the songs. I don't love the production. It's a burn-it record for me. You know, I was with you there for the first part where mm-hmm. you're talking about Mercer being less cryptic. We reviewed Andrew Bird a while back, and he tried mm-hmm. to do the same thing. I think it worked for Mercer. I don't think it worked for Bird. I love the production. I think there were times when the shins were just a little bit, dare I say, too twee for me. There is a longer deeper tradition of power pop that includes bands like the DBs. We talked about them earlier, you know. I'm glad there's a little more meat on the bone this time. I had gotten the shins in gentle mode. I'm happy to hear something different. And, you know, you're making it sound like they suddenly collaborated with some arena guy like Rick Rubin. This is still a shins record. It just has a little bit more oomph to it. I really like it, Greg. So buy it, burn it, trash it, scale. I'm giving it a buy it rating. But what do you think at home? If you have an opinion about the Shins' newest, give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we have an in-studio visit from the Kills. Greg, we have some thank yous to say once again. Andrew Gill helped us with South by Southwest. Sound Opinions was produced by our ace team of Annie Minoff, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, once again, he stayed home instead of coming down with us and going to Ironworks. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, my name is Carrie from Chicago, Illinois. As a female who likes to sing, I have never really related to female vocalists at all. And recently I just discovered some hard rock and metal female groups like the Pack AD or Tura Satana and have fallen in love. I would love to hear your guys' opinions on female rock and hard rock and metal. And maybe you guys could introduce me to some more that I like. Thanks. Bye. My name is Reed McCardle. I'm calling from Bronathan, Pennsylvania. Love the show. Profoundly love the show. I just heard the Nick Lowe interview, and it's really nice to hear a guy uh, so aware of you know his luck for being in the right place at the right time with the right bandmates and the right producers and all of that. And I just wanted to give a little howl of appreciation for a particular song of his, Marie Provost. I think that's how you pronounce it. It makes me think that more songs should be written about dachshunds eating their owners. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. In the cheap hotel up on Hollywood West, July 29. She'd been lying there for two or three weeks. The neighbors said they never heard squeak. For hungry eyes that could not speak. Said even little doggies have got to eat. She was.
My name is Jay Hiss, and I'm calling from Vallejo, California. Thanks so much for the Nick Lowe interview, and thanks particularly for asking him about what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. It's become an anthem now, and I think we have Elvis Costello to thank for that. But hearing the original Brinsley Schwartz version, I always thought he was joking, and he was tongue-in-cheek. There's this particular little bit before the guitar solo where he gives this little voiceover saying, More peace and love is just for the children of the new generation. And you can't hear Nick Lowe say that without thinking he's got to be kidding. And you guys talked about that. Turns out he was. I'm happy it turned out for him anyway, because he deserved all those sales off the uh, bodyguard soundtrack. Anyway, thanks again for the show. Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Al from Chicago. You had an interview with Nick Lowe, and you mentioned the Eagles, Life in the Fast Lane. He said he liked it. That song has some awesome guitar work with some nice, clean production to show it off, and I think you should at least take a listen to that song, because it is great. Thank you very much. Life in the fast lane. More messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Real love isn't about grand gestures. It's about the perfect pairing. So get out of here with that puny rose and get down on one knee with a dozen Dunkin' Brownie Batter Donuts with a decadent Coca Mocha Signature Latte to match. If you really want something special, sip on a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' Refresher with a sweet Cupid's Choice Donut. Take an arrow straight to the taste buds because Dunkin's bringing the love this Valentine's Day. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.